Good evening. Welcome back to Monsters Never Die, Talk From Society's spooky season podcast, where we're taking a look at the original Universal Monsters, as well as their reimaginings and remakes. I'm one of your co-hosts, Matt Curione, editor-at-large over at Talk Film Society, and joining me on this journey through the classics and beyond is... Ow! That's Wolf for Jacob Denoble. Little Literal werewolf of London over there. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Really excited to talk about some werewolves uh, tonight. This episode's gonna get a little hairy. <laughs> and we're so yes of course we're going to be talking about 1941's the wolfman starring uh lon cheney jr claude rains bella lugosi and see if i can uh not ruin her name maria ospenskaya yeah sure yeah sure that's a great name that's that's a mouthful uh okay now you know who else l- thought that the Wolfman. Yes, mouthful. He wanted a mouthful of her. <laughs> uh, okay, so The Wolfman, 1941. We're going to be talking about that, and we're going to be talking a couple of remakes and just other basic, you know, werewolf movies that came along in the years since. Uh, last week, we talked about The Invisible Man. After The Invisible Man in 1933, we had about eight years of sequels and team-ups and, and such. And then uh, a long break. And a, a, little, a little bit of a break. And so that was 1933. This is 1941. Uh, December 12th, it came out, uh, just a day after uh, Pearl Harbor, the Pearl Harbor attack. So that's that's an interesting, uh, that's a quote-unquote fun fact. Uh, that's not exactly fun. Uh, it came out around Pearl Harbor times. Uh, it stars uh, Lon Chaney Jr. picking up the mantle from his uh, father, who, you know, made his name doing uh, horror films for Universal, like... Uh, the original fan of the opera in 1925. He did Hunchback of Notre Dame. He always did his own makeup. Uh, Lon Chaney did not do his own makeup here, obviously. This was another masterful work by Jack Pierce, who yeah. did a fantastic job. Uh, I love the Wolfman's look in this. So do I. He's got I that nice it. little like mullet perm. Yes, he's got he's got the little the, the curly perm. Uh, I wish got- his shirt was a little more torn. Yes, that he is nice. just wearing like adult men's clothes, and then has yes. a wolf man head. But it also makes it a perfect Halloween costume. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because you could just go. I'm going to wear my uh, my my uh, Friday casuals, but I'm going to put on some wolf hands. Uh, okay, this movie is really good, folks. Yeah. Uh, it is essentially a Greek tragedy, but with a wolf man in it uh it's freaking awesome it was actually uh it was written by kurt okay i can't say cytomac cytomac there you go that that works uh who actually used um a lot of his uh real life experiences uh you know running from the nazis in germany uh, he was also a wolfman who was also a wolfman yes and uh i also love this movie uh because it's one of it's one of them that's not based on a pre-existing novel Mm-hmm. Uh, much like uh, the mummy was a ripped from the headlines thing, this is actually just based on uh, European legends uh, about uh, werewolves. Uh, it works very well. Uh, I was expecting you to say that this was also ripped from the headlines, and I was like, "What the hell headlines are you talking about?" Well, actually, if you uh, take Rob Zombie at his word, there were the werewolf women of the SS, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what this movie is actually based on—the werewolf women of the SS. Uh, they were supreme beings who would uh, rule the world one day. 
If only they had the chance from Dr. Fu Manchu. Anyway, this movie also uh, brings in stuff that wasn't in folklore that basically the writer invented and mm-hmm. we all take for granted as being part of Wolfman werewolf lore. I mean, the whole uh, the full moon turning you into a werewolf. Well, hold on. Which so in this film, in there this is film, no full moon rule. There's no full moon, but that's in the sequels. Yes. Uh, the silver bullet. This is the mm-hmm. first time that was really mentioned. Um, the fact that a person becomes a werewolf from being bitten uh, from by a werewolf. That's mm-hmm. how, you know, that this movie started that. And let's get into the story, shall we? Uh, what happens in 1941's The Wolfman, Jacob? Old Larry Talbot, and he, he's truly a Larry in this. Uh, later yes. we'll see him as Lawrence Talbot. and he He's kind of happy-go-lucky much... in this yes. one. Yes, Larry Talbot is just a just a friendly, nice dude and an everyman. And honestly, I think that's one of uh, Lon Chaney Jr.'s strengths. And I don't know if he always got to play to his strengths. No, because I, no. I think what Lon Chaney Jr. brings to the table, and sorry, I'm already off track on talking no, about the plot. No, go it, for it. It's the Wolfman. We, it's, it's about Wolfman. Wolfman. Yeah, you'll, you'll pick up context. <laughs> so Lon Chaney Jr., he is the uh, the one guy who played every one of the main Universal monsters. Um, so there, there's a movie mm. where Lon Chaney Jr. plays the mummy. There's a movie where he plays Dracula. Um, there's a movie where he plays the Wolfman, obviously. Um, oh, yes. A few of those. <laughs> yes. And, but what he brings to the table is this everyman feel. He very much yeah. just feels like a guy you know. Yeah. And he's just a lovable lunkhead. And his father was the man of a thousand faces, and his father was known for these amazing transformations into mm. these inhuman creatures in a way that Lon Chaney Jr., I don't think he was, but he was no. occasionally kind of forced into that role based on yes. name recognition. But when he's at his best, it's because you're feeling for his... You have so much empathy for this man. You feel so much because he just seems like such a nice, like, uncle. He's tremendous here. Yeah. I love him as uh, Lawrence Talbert. Talbot. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely love him. I also really love uh, Claude Rains here. Yes. Uh, returning to the Universal Monsters fold as uh, his father. What is and, the age gap between them? Uh, I actually looked it up. It's about... 25, 30 years. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, they seem yep. contemporary to me. Exactly. We were watching it the other night, and uh, Carlo goes, I don't buy him as his father. <laughs> and I looked it up. I was like, no, there's about a 28-year age difference. Wow. Between Claude the two. Rains. Claude Rains looking young. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, it's get pretty your skincare wild. routine, Claude. Uh, keep, keep going with the plot, and I'm going to actually find out the exact age difference. Okay, Larry Talbot comes back home after his uh, brother is killed, and uh, he hasn't been home for a long time, and uh, he starts to reconnect with his father. He creepily spies on a lady across the town using his father's telescope. Doesn't mean to, but then he's just the biggest creep about it when he goes and sees her, even though he had a perfectly good excuse to accidentally have looked into her room. He, like, holds that information and it's just a big creep to her for a little bit. But it's it eventually kind of becomes cute flirting. It, oh, it's oh, a rough start to the flirt, it, it though. It is. Uh, okay, I just looked it up. Claude Rains, when they made this, was 52. And uh, Lon Chaney was 35. Okay. So, yeah. That works. Yeah. Yeah, he just looks very good. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, essentially, um, old Lawrence goes to... Uh, Goes to to meet some travelers um, who are doing fortune, who are telling uh, fortune telling. There he gets bitten by a werewolf. 
And that is... Bela Lugosi. But, yes, the werewolf who is also the fortune teller, Bela Lugosi. Yes. Playing was, uh, a character really named good here. Bela. Of course. But I really like him here in the, like, yeah. the one scene he's in. I think he's pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he's, he's fantastic. And then... Um, Gets to use his actual accent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for once, which is nice. He is partnered with Maleva. Who is uh, also a part of the of the crew and who um, is terrific? Yes, she is love amazing. her. Love that's the name I couldn't pronounce earlier. <laughs> and uh, so she's kind of our our source of werewolf knowledge. She's um, uh, she plays a character that I refer to as Johnny Exposition. Yes, and um, yes. pretty much the rest of the movie is just Larry's a werewolf, and that's not good. And then at the yeah. end, he has to die by the hand of his father using the cane of his. His lover gave him. Yes, it's very, uh, it's very tragic. This yes. movie, uh, um, but I do love it. I love this movie. Yeah, it's uh, not the first time Universal tried to make a werewolf movie. No, uh, they did uh, Werewolf of London. Yes, uh, about which is actually really good. Six years earlier, which I really need to see this. Yeah, the um, the werewolf makeup is very different. It's a little mm-hmm. more fox like. It's a little more angular. Yeah. Um, we'll talk things, about that makeup a little more when we talk about another one of these movies coming up. One of the things I think it actually does do that's interesting and maybe a little, I think, more compelling to me than in The Wolfman is that there is a hope for a cure, that there is mm. a ticking time, like, a ticking clock to yeah. get to. So the climax of the film is him trying to get it, and he doesn't, and he fails, and he dies. But I think with a lot of Wolfman movies... Once you're bitten, you're screwed. You, yeah, there's not there's, there's not no a lot real, of drive to back. the movie anymore. You're just no. kind of waiting out the clock until you finally Someone get Someone kills the Wolfman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I still love this makeup, like I said earlier. Yeah. Uh, Pierce did a really good job here. Yeah, it's great. This the I love that set uh, that's in like a forest yes, with the, the fog. Yes. The oh fog man. Sense. So like it's the one really good spooky location, but it's so good that it. Hey, if it don't, ain't broke, don't fix it. Yep. I mean, it looks great. One of the things I think is interesting about The Wolfman compared to the rest of the Universal canon appears to take place in the current, in the modern day. Yes. He rides yes. a car in the beginning. Yes, he does. It's not like a period piece at Which all. It makes it really confusing when they start crossing over. Yes. <laughs> but, uh... Which, I mean, I think I think works. And it's interesting that the, uh, the village he's in is so old time. Like, it's technically modern day, but everyone is so... It's Amish. It's Amish country. Yeah. Basically. (laughs) British Amish country. Yeah. Now, this movie actually got a uh, direct sequel two years later that Mm -hmm. we're going to move on to now. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman that we touched upon in our Frankenstein episode. Mm -hmm. But at that point, I had not seen it yet. Luckily, I watched it last night. And what do you think? It's phenomenal. This movie is great. Uh, Yeah, it it rules. I love this movie. Uh, it, it works. It works really well. Uh, I love the the resurrection of Talbot. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool that you know they basically buried him in a crypt uh, surrounded with wolfsbane. To a couple grave robbers come by and they're like, "Let's rob this rich guy." Yep. They take the wolfsbane away, and now he transforms under the full moon and lays waste. <laughs> bad night to rob that grave. <laughs> Don't well that. Bad night to rob any grave. Don't well, do that, folks. Yeah, it's but, bad. You know, if, if if it hadn't have been the full moon, you, you'd have been um, okay. This uh, tablet in this is basically a big time millennial mood. 
where he just wants to die all the time. <laughs> That's like, him in literally every Wolfman sequel. Like, like this movie is great. I love Sad Talbot. I love yeah. that he's just like, yeah, this is great. I want to die. Can can you tell me how to die? That's I'm, actually I, the. Um, this is awful. I hate being a Wolfman. That desire to die is actually kind of the driving engine of almost every monster rally. Um, yeah, it's almost always old Larry Talbot is really just trying to die, and stop being a werewolf. Yeah, um, I really like how uh, you know Jack Pierce had actually improved upon the werewolf makeup a little bit in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks it looks really cool. Uh, I'm shocked they were able to pull off the the combination of the two worlds. Yeah, that well. I mean, the Frankenstein world and the Wolfman world. It, it it works. Mm-hmm. It really works. Um, I love that uh, Maria comes back. Uh, she's like showing him the ways of the werewolf and like just trying to help him. Yeah. Uh, basically, becomes like his mentor. And mm-hmm. uh, she, this is, I believe, this is the only other werewolf movie she did. But that's how you make an iconic role. You're you're that good. Yeah. And there you go. I mean, yeah. Ah, there's a minimum of garbage in this movie. It. Uh, it basically moves at a really fast pace. It's only an hour and ten minutes. This is going to happen again and again, but my least favorite part of the movie is your favorite part of the movie. The extremely long musical sequence? Yes, it lasted like <laughs> ten minutes. so good. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, um, I don't know why they, they decided to use their valuable real estate on that, but I appreciate yeah, it's, it. it's something else. Um, it's and the probably longer than the main fight at the end. <laughs> It is. The main fight at the end is only about five minutes, but guess what? It's awesome. Yeah, no, it rules. Uh, he just keeps it's climbing cool. up on stuff and just like it's a big old it's him. a big old cage match. Yep. Between Frankenstein and the Wolfman. And uh one thing I that threw me off, uh Bell Lugosi has Frankenstein's monster. Um yeah, sure, okay. So like I said in the in the Frankenstein episode, technically the Frankenstein's monster the has the brain of Igor for this yes. film. Which so, I still need to. I need to see Son of Frankenstein. Yes, and um, so Lugosi is playing the monster because at the time when they filmed it, Lugosi was speaking as the monster. Okay. And so there is so much. There is a lot of cut footage that we've never seen that nobody's ever seen. It's been lost forever. Of mm. uh, Lugosi just chatting up a storm as <laughs> Igor the monster. I need to check this out. I need. I need to watch Son of Frankenstein. Yeah, you get a you get a uh, taste of it. They dub Lugosi's voice over um, the monster in that one. Okay, but right, so they. I, I think they figured, out. oh, it'll just be easier if we put him just in the makeup for this one. Yeah, just it'd be easier this way. Uh, okay, yeah, that movie's awesome. Uh, I can't believe it took me so long to finally see it. Yeah, uh, shocking. Now, now I'm not sure. You're the Hammer guy. Was there ever any Hammer werewolf movies? Yes, there is a Curse of the Werewolf, which okay. is um, it stars Oliver Reed, and okay, I need it already. Yeah, no, he is amazing in it. I that movie, it. he's Oliver Reed, <laughs> and is a lot of fun. But uh, I think I mentioned this in one of our earlier episodes. It is a little frustrating in that you do not see a good look at the titular werewolf okay. until about minute ninety of a ninety-four minute movie. Interesting. Okay. It's, like, but it does have Oliver Reed, so I'll probably dig it. Yeah, no, it, um, there's a lot of time jumps. Like, you see him as a child, and then him as, like, a young man, and then him as an adult man. And, like, so, like, there's werewolves, like, on the periphery of the whole thing. Mm. But you don't really get a good look at the werewolf until the movie is almost over. 
Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so then we're going to jump forward about, oh, I guess 40 years to, to 1981, where we're going to talk about uh, John Landis's American Werewolf in London. Yeehaw. Now, this is a movie that I only saw for the first time last year. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, guess what? It's pretty freaking great. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Uh, Rick Baker brings his freaking A-game here, and for this, he won his first of, I believe, seven Oscars. Mm -hmm. And this was the first time they gave out an Academy Award for Best Makeup. And you can thank David Lynch for that. Can because... I be real for a second? Yeah. I don't love the werewolf in this. I, I like a two-legged wolfman. I think the werewolf itself is fine here. I love the transformation. Yeah, the transformation, I mean, is famous for a reason. But like I was saying, thank thank David Lynch for the Best Makeup Oscar because there was a huge uproar when nothing was given to the Elephant Man. Yeah. So that forced the, that forced the Academy to be like, well, maybe we should just do a makeup Oscar yeah. every year instead. So, uh, hey, thanks for that, David. <laughs> uh, yeah, American Werewolf in London, it's actually very funny. Yes. Which is a thing I was not expecting. Uh, but it also has some really scary parts, like when they're crossing the moors in the beginning. Uh, that's cool. I love uh, the zombie in this movie. Uh, it's good. Yeah. It's very good. You weren't expecting it to be funny? No, I wasn't. You are familiar with John Landis. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's... not funny, but... <laughs> he is not funny. He's not a funny man. He's a murderer. But uh, that was in another movie that we're not going to talk about today. Yeah. <laughs> Let's transition to another his, funny werewolf movie. And we will never mention his horrible son. Let's talk about The Howling. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, I say this about every Joe Dante movie, but this is top-tier Dante. <laughs> <laughs> you can basically throw that around for, like, any Joe Dante movie. Yep. And uh, this movie's weird, and I love it, and I love the concept. I love a colony of werewolves mm -hmm. uh, committing crimes. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Another movie where I really love the transformation. The transformation in this movie rules. And I like the werewolves in this movie a lot. Same here. I love it. Uh, bless Rob Bottin for doing the werewolf makeup in this movie. Uh, how old was he when he did this? 19, 20? Yeah. That's... Uh, that's insane. Like, that's insane. Yeah. This movie actually got him the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carpenter saw this. Aha. Carpenter saw this and was like, yeah. Make my weird creatures. <laughs> He's like, okay, sure. Sure I thing, love buddy. The, uh, the cartoon werewolf sex scene rules. It's great. Uh, I love uh, I love Dee Wallace here. She's always great. I've always, I've always enjoyed her in anything she's done. But she really uh, carved out a nice little niche for herself being a, uh, I would say, an underrated scream queen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she's good. Yeah. She's very good. And uh, speaking of good is John Sayles, the, uh, yes. the writer, and um, mm -hmm. coming from Dante's Piranha. Mm -hmm. And he's just, he knows exactly how to ground a crazy concept and make it really and it works. fun, enjoyable. And it really turn a work. B movie into an A movie. Yep. Uh, yeah, The Howling. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I really love, I love, 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 love The Howling. And I still need to see those sequels, because I hear they get batshit and batshit. The Marsupials. Excuse that's me? the third one. They're, oh, they're, that's they're, fun. It's The Howling 3. The Mar oh, man. The Howling 2 has a great title, too. It's The Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf. 
It's <laughs> <laughs> just such a such a Who, bold me? title choice. My sister. Uh, the fourth okay. one, I think, is a remake of the first of the book that the first one is based on. Sure. And then there's like three direct-to-video, I think, of course ones that is. were shot in Romania or somewhere. Of course I've seen none was. of them. Neither have I. I've, I've never seen of... any of the sequels. Apparently, um, when Christopher Lee was on set for uh, Gremlins 2, the first thing he did was apologize to Joe Dante for appearing in The Howling 2. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta see those one day. But uh, yeah, uh, the ending still is great. Oh, man. It ends on a great one-liner. Uh, how do you want your hamburger? Raw. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, sure. I was just uh, about to say, it's a little less cartoony and funny than you expect Dante's films to yeah. be, but it definitely still has that yes. Dante It's fun. Charm. I like it. I yep. like it a lot. Uh, next, we're going to be talking about, real quick, 1985's Stephen King's Silver Bullet, uh, which you have not seen. No, I have not. Uh, which it's been, okay. I saw this yesterday for the first time. Finally got to see this. Been wanting to see it for a while. Uh, the movie's pretty pretty awesome. Uh, you definitely it's it's a werewolf movie ba- uh, with that small town feel of a Stephen King story. Uh, it's based off of a novella he did that was actually illustrated called Cycle of the Werewolf. Mm. And the cast here is wild. Uh, you got Gary Busey as the the crazy drunken uncle. Okay. Uh, to young Corey Haim, and he has a motorized wheelchair that actually runs on gasoline, which, <laughs> okay. which Gary Busey made for him. Uh, it's the most dangerous wheelchair ever, uh, especially later on in the movie when he gets it basically turned into a hot rod. All and right, it goes I, like I have thirty to see miles this an hour. Now. It's pretty wild. Uh, Lawrence Tierney shows up to play the bartender. Uh, he's pretty great. Uh, Big Ed from Twin Peaks uh, plays a local preacher. Uh, Locke from Lost, I don't know his name, uh, is the chief of police. And basically Terry the whole town O'Quinn. is... sorry. Yes, okay, there you go. The whole town is turning against him because he can't figure out who the murderer is. Because all these people keep getting killed. And they can't explain why. And the kills in this movie are gruesome as hell. Uh, a guy gets pierced by a, like a, by a broken 2 by 4 and it goes right through his stomach, and it's nasty and gross. Yeah, this movie's cool, and I like how it keeps a mystery about it, about who is the werewolf. Oh, that's you, fun. You don't find out who the werewolf is until about half an hour to the end. Oh, man, and, that is, that's what a good idea. And the rest of the movie is basically Corey Haim and his sister, like, trying to figure out who the killer is. Like, they do their own little Hardy Boys thing, trying to figure out in this small town, who's who's the werewolf? We gotta, fi- we gotta figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah, Silver Bullet... Really highly recommended. Uh, it's on DVD right now. Uh, you can import a Blu-ray. Uh, but it, I would wait until December when Scream Factory puts their release out because I'm sure it's just going to blow everything else out of the water and be a great release. Uh, my only takeaway from this movie that I didn't like is the werewolf itself. They didn't have a finished werewolf design when they started filming this movie because they're on a tight schedule. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it shows. But everything else is great. <laughs> You'd think that'd be step one. Yeah, you know, you'd think, like, maybe we should just, you know, do that first, folks. But no. No, they didn't. They didn't do it. It was weird. Uh, But other than that, yeah, this movie's good. I like it. So I guess, speaking of films that had a tight schedule and uh, shortened pre-production... We are talking 1994's Wolf. Oh my god, Wolf, yes. Directed by Mike Nichols, who had a really weird career, to be honest. Uh, (laughs) 
never really repeated himself. Always did stuff that challenged himself. Okay, Mike Nichols directed this. It stars Jack Nicholson, Michelle Pfeiffer. So you have two Batman villains in this. It's pretty awesome. Uh, you have James Spader. Ultron comes back again. Christopher Plummer. And, hey, my one of my favorites, Richard Jenkins, shows up oh, as well. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, he popped up in the credits. And I was like, hey, I'm already going to love this movie. And, listener, I love this movie. Uh, you haven't seen this, have you? I have not. Okay, so this basically updates the classic Wolfman story, but to modern-day New York, or Los Angeles, wherever they are. It's never really stated. It's just big city. Big city publishing house that has been bought out by Christopher Plummer's billionaire character, and uh, Jack Nicholson's character of Will Randall is on the ropes. He's going to be fired. Basically, he knows it. He knows he's too old school for the new company, and he's on his way out. Uh, He gets bitten by a wolf uh, when he's driving home from a writer's house to get, like, a contract signed. And this is a huge jump scare that scared the crap out of me when the wolf bites him. I, I knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't know when it was coming. And oh man, it's scary. <laughs> uh, Nicholson is freaking awesome in this. And I love the fact that it actually, it goes into a little more of like the wolf abilities. He gets bitten and then a few days later like all his senses are heightened. Mm-hmm. Like he can like hear voices like across the office and everything. Uh, he... Bumps into a guy on the way to his office and he's like, how the fuck do you drink tequila this early in the morning? And the guy's like, what? And he's like sniffing his own breath. <laughs> it <laughs> sounds actually, to me almost like a Pitoff's Catwoman film. It's way better than that. I, I imagine. This is a real movie. Yeah. Uh, and it's not directed by someone named Pitoff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, love Nicholson here. Uh, it's a really, it's, it's both understated and unhinged. His performance. That's kind of his sweet spot. He's great here. Uh, Spader uh, plays, you know, his, his typical, like, dickbag Spader. Mm-hmm. He's an awful human being, but he makes it work. Uh, Pfeiffer is awesome. She plays uh, Christopher Plummer's uh, daughter, who, like, you know, Jack Nicholson's character has a thing for, obviously, because she's Michelle Pfeiffer, and how do you not have a thing for Michelle Pfeiffer. Rick Baker does the makeup here, and he actually based his makeup here on the Werewolf of London makeup from the 30s. Okay. So it's not, it's nothing, it's no full transformation. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, it's just some, maybe some different ears, some hair on the face, and some fangs. Uh, it's really cool. And much like the next werewolf movie we're going to talk about, of course it ends with a giant werewolf fight, and it's awesome. Oh, uh, hell Yeah. Yeah, uh, they go at it, and it's great. Uh, yeah, Wolf is awesome, and it's very underrated, and I highly recommend this movie. Perfect. It's cool. Yeah, and uh, so for you know, listeners of the previous episodes, this was the third part of Columbia's attempts to steal the mm-hmm. Universal monster canon away from Universal by making their own monster movies. Yeah, well, public domain will do that. Yep, and, you know... Can't call your movie Wolfman, but you can sure make a werewolf movie without yep. paying anybody. Just call it Wolf. It's yep. fine. Uh, so this brings us to the maligned production of, yeah, I'll come out and say it, my favorite of the movies we're discussing tonight. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Uh, 2010's The Wolfman. Um, I'm uh, sorry. It's 2010's The Wolfman. The Wolfman. Yes, because uh, for some sorry. reason, I guess the space was too too old fashioned for two thousand tens audiences. Old uh, okay, starring Benicio del Toro, Anthony Hopkins, Hugo Weaving, Emily Blunt, 
and it's great. It this it, this really scratches that itch for modern made gothic horror that I love. Yes. Uh in fact, when we're done recording, I think I'm going to watch Crimson Peak. Oh, yes. Uh, because this really scratched that itch where I was like, I need to watch Crimson Peak now. It's got that same Victorian era vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, I Interesting love- that this is a period <clears throat> piece that takes yes. place before the original took place. Yes, yes. But it works. Yes, it's no, cool. it definitely works. Uh, I love the addition of the Hugo Weaving character as Aberline. He's the basically, best. He's cool. He's based off of uh, the real life uh, detective who investigated the Jack the Ripper murders, and they actually mentioned that in the movie, which is cool. Uh, they, if, uh, if Universal is so, was so determined on creating a combined monster universe, he should be have the, been the, the connective guy. tissue. Yep. Yep, most definitely. Uh, this movie's great. Yeah. Uh, Joe Johnston, uh, he signed on to do this about three weeks before it went to production <laughs> uh, because it went through so many different hands, but Lord, I love this movie. I love uh, how gruesome and brutal it is. Uh, and yes, I watched the unrated cut. Yes. Uh, you you have to just because that version is the version that has... Max von Sydow. Yes, Max von Sydow, who got cut yes, out of the theatrical cut. Which is baffling. How do you cut out Max von Sydow? Uh, but yeah, yeah, Danny Elfman. Another great score. Yeah, no, that uh, score rules. That score rules. Uh, he even said it himself, and you can hear it in the music. It is heavily inspired by the score uh, for Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, I could hear that. Uh, a lot of the same beats are being used, like, but in different tones. Uh, really love his work here. Uh, Rick Baker, yet again, he did the Wolfman uh, makeup for this. He based it very much on Jack Pierce's original Wolfman makeup. Which is cool. I love the quote from Baker saying that, you know, it's really not much of a transformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benicio del Toro is a hairy man. <laughs> He's like, so basically, it was going from Benicio del Toro, adding a little bit of hair to his face and then some fangs. Yep. And there you have a wolf man because that's what it is. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, even though it's CG, I love the transformations. Yeah, I think this, they're cool. Movie. I know Rick Baker was a little surly about because he did make practical ones back when Mark Romanek was still directing. Yes. And it upset him. It's one of the reasons he retired (laughs) a few years later. Uh, But you know what, Rick, you got your final Oscar for this. Well-deserved. He can't have been too mad. He's all over that Blu-ray. The transformation in the asylum. (laughs) That whole asylum sequence is so good. It's amazing. So it's amazing. Uh, Benicio Del Toro screaming, I will kill you all. <laughs> yes, you will, buddy. <laughs> so I always like to describe The Wolfman as a 1940s movie remade in the style of a 1950s movie with mm-hmm. 1980s level of gore. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, the magical blend that you're getting in The Wolfman yeah. because it's... I think because of the directorial switch that happened so late in the game. So he originally yeah. was going to be directed by Mark Romanek, who had done um, yes. One Hour Photo. And movie. <laughs> was very much planning a cerebral, dark yeah. exploration on the, you know, the beast within and the things yes. that we tamped down and these family dynamics. And he really wanted to make this gothic longing piece. Mm-hmm. And then they hired Joe Johnston, who, bless his heart, has absolutely no interest in any of that shit. No, not at all, no. <laughs> and he just so, wants to make a fun 
gory ass movie. <laughs> and so the film is like a Wolfman itself in that it just drastically swings between these two different approaches, and the swings happen whenever a Wolfman appears. Damn right. So you'll have these long sequences that are, you know, the the Victorian style, and they're plotting and slow, but in a really but interesting, great. compelling way. And but they're great. I'm never I'm never bored yeah. watching this movie. I'm I'm taking in all the sights and sounds and just like I really like the script. Yeah. Like yeah. I like I think the dialogue is really good here. It's Am I crazy? No, I don't think you're crazy at all. And like I said, I, you know, I think that like I, I think don't this think this is a changed, really good movie. I don't think they changed what movie they were making. They were changing how they changed how yeah. they were going to make it. And That's so fair. when the monster when they transform into Wolfman, all of a sudden the movie becomes one hundred times goofier. It's a gore fest, and there's he just jumps a lot on of a policeman humor to it, and a lot of fun, just silly beats. And it's you can just he, see Joe Johnson behind the camera, just being like, giggling. "I'm making a Wolfman." Yeah, like he jumps on a policeman and he splats. <laughs> he so rips good. people's arms off and like throws them at his friends. The guy falls into the swamp and he. he shoots at the wolfman and the wolfman's running at him and he finally goes to shoot yeah. blow his own brains out but he's out of bullets Oops. and there's just a nice close-up of the gun as it clicks and then the wolfman <laughs> just knocks his head clean just off. punches his head off it's great <laughs> oh man the gore effects in this movie it's it's next level it's so it, fun. it is it's so exactly that's how i would describe this movie fun and this movie is just so much goddamn fun so i i saw this theatrically and I think it was – I had a much better time than I was expecting. A, because the reviews had been pretty bad, and so my expectations were kind of low. And then yeah, I, B, don't, I don't understand the bad reviews. Sorry. I understand them in that I think – I guess for the theatrical cut, maybe? I mean, a little bit, but I think, I think honestly, it's just American audiences have trouble with tonal shifts. Yeah. Okay. They don't like movies that aren't all one tone. Yeah. Or at least consistent in a blend of tones. And The Wolfman yeah. very much isn't. It vacillates. But, I, th- you know, I'm a, I'm a big, like, Indian cinema fan. And so I'm, okay. I'm kind of used to that stuff. Yeah. And uh, so, so, yeah. So it's just... But, yeah. So I had such a good time in the theater. And one of the reasons is I'm kind of dumb. And <laughs> the, so the movie is no, fairly obvious and straightforward. Hush. But was ahead of me. In that I had completely forgotten that um, Anthony Hopkins was also a wolfman. Yes, until fight. they were like, until it was like a minute away from leading up to their wolfman fight. And I was just sitting in the theater, I was like, oh my god, wait a second, there's two wolfmen in this movie. <laughs> and they just have the best wrestling match in a house that's It's fantastic, out. and I know you pointed this out on Twitter, but that chair flip is so good. It's so nonchalant but forceful. Uh, folks, if you watch this movie, keep an eye out for that that scene where Anthony Hopkins just like tosses a chair. The whole a chair thing. that clearly weighed 50 pounds or more. Anthony Hopkins is the master at somehow being over the top in his subtleness. Yes. Uh, this movie, 
His performance in this, for <laughs> me, rivals his over-the-topness of his Van Helsing in yeah. Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's a different kind of over-the-top, but it is equally as manic, and yes. I love it. Uh, I love him in this movie. The he's scene so where good. he's visiting Del Toro in the uh, asylum and mm-hmm. just goes off on a tangent about how he used to be a bare-knuckle prize fighter. He's like, never yes. told you that. And he just does these little like jabs <laughs> in the air. And you're like, are you off script, old man? What is happening right now? He has to be. He's, he's, he's a delightful human being. Oh. I love Anthony Hopkins. If if you don't follow him on Twitter, you're I was doing it wrong. Just about to recommend everybody follow him on Twitter. He he's good at Twitter. What? He knows how to work it. <laughs> one of the um, I think one of the the struggles this movie does have, I think, in ad- adapting the Wolfman, is that now we all assume that Wolfmen change at the full moon. That is something yeah. that we all know, and that is not true in the first film. In the first film, no. it is even a man who's pure at heart and says his prayers by night. They become a wolf when the wolf's bane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. But so, then they change that right away in, in Meets Frankenstein. Yes, to the moon is full and bright. <laughs> yes. Which I did the math once and you have a lot more autumn moons than you do full moons. So they really mm-hmm. made it a little less scary. Yes. But, but what that, that, that means way, for that, this That way you're building up all the rage all that time. <laughs> but what that means for this movie, though, is that they constantly have to figure out ways to take del toro off the board for a literal month at a time yeah so they <laughs> imprisoned him yeah it's like oh you're in an asylum for a month he's like the first attack he's like oh you're unconscious for a month and yeah th- there's those fun like sequences during those month-long periods where it, there's a lot of like fun surreal imagery and i have to imagine yeah. that's where Creepy mark Romanek was stuff. really yeah. going to be like focusing his attention mm-hmm. i don't know if johnston does it super well like it's effective and it's fun but i can also see it working better under somebody else it works yeah it's fine but uh no the wolfman is the best i love it this is my favorite of these wolfman movies i really really love this thing uh i kind of want to watch it again right away it's such i just finished watching it like an hour ago like i want to watch it again emily blunt is really good in it and it she's great I like a lot of the adaptational changes it makes. I like mm-hmm. I like the relationship between Lawrence and his father. I like that this is essentially just like a gothic version of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> it's That's just, fair. You know, he just has just such a dysfunctional relationship with his father, who he watched murder his mother as a werewolf as a child. Oh, God, and then movie. confined him to an asylum to make him believe that his mother killed himself. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Uh, this movie. Okay. If you haven't seen it, please check it out. I mean, we tried to kind of talk about every plot point, but yeah. who cares? I, uh, still I read an interview it. when it was coming out where they were talking to Del Toro and they said, you know, if this movie gets a sequel, which is cute to think no. about now because it was a giant bomb, but, you know, what would you want it to be? And Del Toro is so on my page and so on Joe Johnson's page where he instantly said, oh, I want to do Frankenstein meets the Wolfman if there's a sequel to this. <laughs> it's like, yes, that is exactly where you should have gone. Of course that's what you want. Yes. I think I think ignoring Dracula Untold, ignoring the Tom Cruise mummy, I think the Wolfman could have been the bones for a coherent monster yeah. universe. But I also, I love the Wolfman I don't know how you get an audience to see the Wolfman. Yeah, like it it's bombed, weird. and I'm not surprised. I can't imagine people being like, "Ooh, a Victorian Wolfman movie." I think you could have, if you had released this now, 
and you had like hyped it up and like uh, it's the the goriest film of the year, blah blah blah. It probably would have gotten a lot more butts and seats. Yeah, yeah, they really like, should. Movie's I think crazy. They should have doubled down on just how goofy it is. Yeah. Oof, this movie's freaking awesome. Love it. Uh, so yeah, uh, real quick, we're going to talk about the Wolfman's appearance in Monster Squad. Do you want to say the line? Wolfman does have nards, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, so Wolfman's got nards. Uh, he's played by uh, John Grease, who a lot of people know as um, Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite, a movie that I hate and cannot stand. Uh, yeah, it's not very good. Uh, he actually popped up in a movie I watched over the weekend called Terrorvision. Oh, I love Terrorvision. That movie's goofy and fun. and Great uh, theme my song. Kinda- and my kind of dumb, yeah. Uh, that band rules. Uh, they're called the Fibonacci's. Mm-hmm. They are freaking awesome. Uh, shout out to my friend uh, Wes Anthony for showing me that and sending me a, a link to their albums. Really, really love uh, the Wolfman in this. Uh, I love the effects. I've the uh, Richard Endland, who did a lot of Star Wars. He worked on this. He did a lot of the Wolfman stuff for this movie. Mm. Uh, another great transformation. Uh, another Wolfman who really just wants to die. Mm-hmm. And it's terrific. And you... Okay, another little tangent. You just watched this again. Yes, so I had seen it twice before. I saw it once when I was a teen, and I had, okay. I had rented the DVD from Netflix, and then I watched it once, maybe about five or six years back, uh, with a group of friends. And um, okay. neither time it didn't... I always wanted to like it more than mm-hmm. I did. Okay, I that's would fair. I would go in and be like, Monster Squad, this is everything I like. This is gonna be great, and I don't know. I don't. It just didn't work for me those two times. But this last time, it just it it, it clicked. It clicked. I it clicked. I do wish it was a hair longer. It just because it's it a cool so eighty-two fast. minutes. Yeah, it moves. It, it moves a little too fast for me. I, I, I don't feel that, like yeah. I get a chance to really know these characters. But no, it's it's a hoot. It's the best. And in this most recent rewatch, I was thinking. You know, Dracula probably would have had a much easier time had he not brought together the the monsters. The actual monsters, like, yes. Th- he has, what, five people in his crew. Two he's of them himself, immediately, like, a, you know, Frankenstein switches sides instantly. Yeah. The Wolfman is constantly trying to turn human and then betray him. Yeah. If neither of those were on the crew, you probably would have, you know, had a lot a more good effective job. time. Yeah. But, you know, he also then wouldn't have had a movie with a Wolfman and a Frankenstein in it, which would have been a exactly. horror movie. Yes. Uh, I'm glad you like it. Yes. No. It, uh, it's it makes, a lot of this, fun. This makes me very happy. I It's one of my favorite movies. I grew up on this thing, like I said in the earlier episodes. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely love it. Love the werewolf here. Uh, I love that he basically w- – the, they would use that werewolf design for the real Ghostbusters cartoon. <laughs> uh, same kind of uh, basic outfit. Mm-hmm. Love it. And it's pretty damn good. So yeah, uh, Jacob, where can the people find you online? Uh, people can find me online at Jacob underscore Denoble. And you can find me everywhere at the Real Matt C. Until next time, I mean, next week we're going to be, uh, next week, uh, nighttime will sharpen, it'll heighten each sensation, darkness will wake, and it'll stir imagination when we talk about the Phantom of the Opera. Are those song lyrics? I haven't seen the musical yet. Oh, yes, those are song lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, folks. I, I'm a fan of the silent version. There's, there's no singing you, in that one. Oh, you're gonna get ready for some uh, Joel Schumacher batshit colors and bonkerness. So, until next time, monsters never die. Mm-hmm.
walking through the streets of Soho in the rain. He was looking for the place called Lee Ho Fox. Gonna get a big dish of beef chow, man. 